Okay, for the, for, the, for the, the guys and the girls that wasn't here last week, we are doing, for the next five weeks, we are doing foundation, the, the basic foundation, foundations again. And the reason why we are doing the foundations of, of the Christian walk is because, first of all, we've picked up, I'm not saying about this group, but people don't really know the, the basic stuff of, of Christianity. And secondly, and it's always good that once again we revisit, or from time to time we revisit the basic principles of Christianity. Okay. I mean, like last week. Stuff that we know, but oh my word, there was some amazing stuff, isn't it? God is good. So, last week we, and this is just the recap of last week. Very important that we are aware of the fact that we consist of three parts. We consist of a spirit, we consist of a soul, we consist of a body. Okay, cool. Also important that the Bible says we were created in the image of God. Now God is spirit, but God also has a soul. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's not only we that have a soul. We are because we are in the image of God. We also have a soul because the Jesus Jesus said, "My soul is vexed within me." In other words, he had emotions. Jesus was crying. Jesus was laughing. Jesus got angry. Okay. And uh, now our body is, is we, this is the physical part of, of us. Now the soul consists of our heart, our, let me rather say, our uh, our intellect, our emotions, and our will. So in other words, your feelings is part of your soul. As I was saying last week, if you, if I take the three of you to stand uh, behind one another, then that is a, a good example to explain it. So your soul, your spirit, and your body, those three. Okay. So, uh, and to be born again means that we accept Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. So guys, we all know it. There is no other name given by which man can be saved. Whether we like to hear it or whether we like to believe it or not, or whether the Muslims are the most amazing people that is walking around, or my Hindu friend are such a beautiful person, whatever the case may be. The reality is, if you and I are not born again, there is no way that we will ever make we will ever be with with God. So the day that you and I accept Jesus, what happened? Salvation happened in three phases. First one is justification. The day that you and I accept Jesus, in other words, immediately in that split second, we are justified. Justifica justification means just as if I've never sinned. I think that's probably one of the most difficult things to to get into this 
wouldn't block the upstairs. Because we are so used to walk in condemnation that we cannot get our heads around this thing that it is just as if... I'm not saying that... Bible doesn't say that you are not sinning anymore. Bible just say that it is just as if you have never sinned. Okay. Second one. Sanctification. So the Holy Spirit is the one that come and stay inside of us. He is the one that changes us from the inside out. Guys, the Bible says, Book of Romans says that if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, do not belong to Jesus. That is why it's so important that you and I, when we give our hearts to Jesus, very important that we ask the Holy Spirit also to come and indwell us. Okay, because it is the Holy Spirit that is the one that is sanctifying us, getting rid of all the old habits in our lives. Okay. Remember last week I said that if you have become a Christian or born again when you're 20 years old and now at the age of, of 50 or whatever the case may be, you're still sitting with the same issues that you and I were dealing with the day that we came to Jesus. Say, I'll, I'll use an example. Say, for unforgiveness. The day I come to Jesus, I have unforgiveness in my heart. 30 years later, I'm still sitting with unforgiveness in my heart. Or I'm still having this thing that some sort of an addiction or whatever the case may be. Or I'm suffering from rage or whatever the case may be. You need to deal with that thing. It cannot be. It's not possible that you and I can... I mean, then sanctification is not happening in our lives, okay? So, cool. And then the other one, glorification. The day that you and I die, we are being glorified. Cool. Once, one day we will all get a new body. Bluetooth disconnected. Oh, fantastic. Now all of us, all, we are all awake now. Cool. I'm, I'm just thinking of this thing of glorification. Whenever I hear someone giving me a prophetic word, promotion is coming. Then I already start praying. Jesus, let, let it be a physical promotion. I don't want to... Cool. Remember I said to you guys, I think we were in Kimberley and Mark was getting an old man, an old, old topic to stand on the chair and he said to him, Sir... Promotion is coming. I think we were not even back yet, whatever. A month later, he was promoted. <laughs> Everybody was around the, the coffin and he was in heaven. So, so glorification, guys. Where was it? I think on Friday we were discussing. You know that we are such amazing people. Well, I think we all are amazing. It's also part of the glorification. It's not part of the notes, but I just need to throw this one in for Mahala. Paul must say, I'm now paraphrasing, I'm ready to go get my victor's crown. I don't really want to go, but, but the thing. Now, you know what, what we are doing? I mean, really, the day that you and I are being glorified, the most amazing unfathomable life is awaiting us you don't have to worry where you're going to get your electricity money tomorrow yeah. you guys hear what I'm saying yeah. 
Don't even have to worry if there's a tin of baked beans in my pantry or nothing. Because I'm going to Jesus. But you know what we do? All of a sudden we, we hear we got cancer or whatever the case may be. Oh my word. And we fight like hell to stay here. What's wrong with us, man? We say, bless you, Jesus. I want to go, man. Okay. No, I'm just... <laughs> I think there's a reason why we are fighting. Because we're Manaya. Isn't it amazing? Hallelujah. Paul was looking forward. We want to stay. Cool. And then last, and I think some of the other teachings we, all, we also mentioned. That as a born again believer, every one of us have certain gifts. We were given gifts. The day that we go born again, we were given gifts by that the Father is giving us. The gifts of Romans 12. They are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. 1 Corinthians 12, and then there are the gifts that Jesus is giving us. Ephesians, in other words, prophet, apostle. Okay. Always remember you and I, when we are born again, these are also the gifts. Now for you and me to accept Jesus. For you and me to accept Jesus takes faith. You know that it is a miracle every time that the person accepts Jesus? We've got so used to that. Oh well, we don't even. Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven. The person gives his life to Jesus. You know, there's another interesting thing. He says, I'm, he said, Jesus, assuredly I say to you, there is rejoicing in heaven for every sinner that repents. So in other words, we have connected that to giving you out to Jesus. But it's more than giving you out to Jesus. You know, if you and I, we are born again and we have this nagging thorn in the flesh that we are struggling to overcome and, and we get to a day that we repent of that thing. It says there's joy in heaven, the angels in heaven re rejoice every time that the sinner repents. In other words, present continue. So the day that you and I get rid of a nagging thorn in the flesh, every time there's rejoicing in heaven. Not only the day that you and I are getting born again. Mm. There's something to celebrate, guys. Cool. I think it's only if Jesus doesn't reveal himself to us, there's no way. Let me rather say if the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal Jesus to you and, your, you and me, it's impossible to become born again. We all, we all know that thing. Cool. I don't know. I mean, the requirement is, my understanding is, the requirement is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your, own, your, your, your whole household. I mean, that is the requirement. Okay, so in other words, how many... You die, I mean, you've just accept Jesus and, and as your Lord and Savior because your loyalty immediately... You see, at the end of the day, it boils down to where is your loyalty? Is your loyalty Jesus? Or is your loyalty divided or whatever? Because uh, it says, 
believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, but you don't really believe in your heart unless you follow in Jesus and give your life to it with complete surrender. And that is the problem, that there may be people who say, well, one day I said a prayer, what's wrong? And then they live like the devil in the world. I don't think that they are actually saved. Because if you were really, really saved, you would be confessing with your mouth and truly believing in your heart and living for him. He would be your king. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he also says in the Bible, anybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'm listening. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Amen. So if Jesus was baptized, then we should also be baptized. To me, it's like, I love you, Jesus, I'm going to do exactly what you do. The people on the cross wasn't baptized, and Jesus said, you stay with us. That's true. See, there's a requirement. Jesus says, I think it's, I need to go and look. You guys want to prophesy? (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you the opportunity now. (laughs) But I also want to hear what you were saying, but I also want to speak that time. Okay, so the close it down and Okay. Then there are two steps of being born again. First one is baptism in, in water. We all know that. And second one is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we are going to pray tonight people too if you if you don't know whether you've been baptized in the holy spirit we'll pray we will pray tonight that people will be baptized in the holy spirit yeah if and if you if you haven't been baptized yet and you and you feel that you want to be baptized come speak to us i've got a pool in my in my yard it's not as deep as theirs if you are a big sinner then we take you to jackie's house because that pool, that pool is deep. So now, just, just on a, just on a light, you know, but they're serious. You come speak to us and then we can baptize you and we will all rejoice with you guys, okay? Guys, the water baptism is a symbolic, symbolic gesture or symbolic prophetic act to show the forces of darkness to show the universe that I am dying I'm going under this water grave the old man dies and I'm coming up as a brand new creation in Christ okay so you all are familiar with this you're all being baptized not smacked on the head Heather <laughs> okay. Wow, same day. Fantastic. Uh, okay. 
Here we see the whole picture of salvation demonstrated by Jesus accepting Christ's death as the Lamb that was slain for our sin, being water baptized, is or yeah, being being water baptized to seal the covenant and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those those three. Okay. Amazing thing is when when Jesus came out of the water, Holy Spirit came down on him, and then God says, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." Have you guys ever think of it that God is speaking those words about you and about me? That you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Okay. Cool. Okay, then... Uh, Noah was symbolically the first person in the world to go through the waters of baptism. Noah was the first person in the world that went through the waters of baptism. In other words, even though he was in the ark, but he was around. So in other words, the ark is symbolic of the covering of, of the hand of, in other words, he was in Christ. Okay. Okay, and. Oh my word, but you are. <laughs> so, in other words, what it says is where he left, apart from the giraffes, he left, he left a corrupt lifestyle that he was, and through the waters. He entered into a new life. Same with us. We left, we leave behind the corrupt lifestyle and become out a new person. Okay, I'm just going to ask you now, um, child baptism, how do you deal with that? If you had someone come and ask you to baptize their child. What we will do is we will not baptize them. We will, we will, we will, uh, what? We will dedicate the child. I mean, but if uh, I think. What age? Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm asking because my, my niece is asking to baptize her children, and I said I wasn't, you know, well, I was stage two prepared. And I was going to she cannot decide for them. They have to come to the age where they decide yeah. they want to yeah. be baptized. Yeah. You, yeah. Can, yeah. you can. Um, already had the understanding what it's all about. In yeah. other words, was born again. So in other words, if the seven-year-old is born again and said, listen, but if you hear what I'm saying, I, don't, I won't have a problem with that. Even, I think, Marinelle and Ruan, they were 
She was young. also eight, and at first they said, no, it's too young, but then God baptized her in tongues when she was eight. So when she talked in tongues, she said, we have to baptize her. So, yeah. But on the other, yeah, but does it, does it make sense? Did he give you an answer? Yeah. Okay. So you have to speak to the Lord, the, the eldest one. Yes. And just see where she is. Yeah. But it's really a thing as a parent's committing to bring up the children in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. That's the question, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So guys, step three of being born again is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus has promised it to every single one of us. He says, this gift. In the book of Acts, he says, this gift belongs to you and your family and to all those who are far away. This gift, what is it? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so every single one of us can get this, this gift. Because there's another place where, where, where Jesus said, if you guys who are bad know how to give good things to your children, how much more... Will my heavenly Father not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay, cool. And another thing, we all know that John 7, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow out of his innermost part. Okay, the Holy Spirit, the living water coming out of every single one of us. Okay. What is the Holy Spirit is our comforter, the Holy Spirit is our helper, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, the Holy Spirit is our standby, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, is our intercessor, and is our strengthener. All these names. Okay. Remember last time I said to you what does it mean by if you look at the word comfort? Comfort doesn't mean that he's coming and wiping your tears. Actually, his meaning is pushing you into the midst of the battle and then he will come and fight next to you. Yes. So, rejoice when it happens. Very important is our intercessor. The Bible says that the intercede for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Okay, so if you can intercede for us, ask him to teach you to intercede. Okay, cool. The Holy Spirit is a person. Guys, I think many, we, we all know that, but I think sometimes we also lose sight of that thing that the Holy Spirit, yes, the Holy Spirit is powerful, and we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a person. It's part of that. Is the third person of, of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is His own will. You guys know that? The Bible says the wind blows where it wills. You don't know where it's coming from or you don't know where it's going. Okay? The Holy Spirit has feelings, believe it or not. The Holy Spirit loves. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Holy Spirit can speak. And the Holy Spirit pray for us. <coughs> you all with me so far? Agree? Okay. Function of the Holy Spirit, He is the one that gives us power. He's the one that, that helps us to, to put to death the works of the flesh. 
He's the one that helps us, it gives us boldness to go and share the, the gospel with others, to love others. Okay. Holy Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing our in eternal inheritance. First or Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14. Can you imagine? He says he is there. He's this deposit. I, I, I forgot what the English word for that. In other words, he's the down payment. The moment that you and I have the Holy Spirit, he's the down payment as a... In other words, like a, when you are paying bail. Down payment for that you are belonging to God. Okay? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is, is a spirit, but he's also the third person of the, of the Godhead. He is God. You remember, I think, no, I didn't say to you guys, but there are a couple of verses in the Bible that talked about the Trinity, but one of the best for me is, is in 1 John 5, where he says there are three that testifies in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Okay. Cool. Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit knows all things. And the Holy Spirit was first introduced in the book of Genesis. Just look at this. The first person, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Genesis, I think it was Genesis 1. Revelation 22 verse 17 and the Spirit says come Lord Jesus come wow that's amazing from the beginning to the end Holy Spirit is there okay Holy Spirit will know when the gospel has been preached to every creature and that will be the time of Jesus okay so whenever the Holy Spirit came upon people, they always in the Old Testament, the Old Testament manifest through power, through prophecy, or through both of them. Nowadays, how does it look like? People either are slain in the Spirit, people start shaking, some people nothing is happening to them, some people's lives are radically being transformed, or whatever the case, people speak in tongues, or whatever the case may be, okay? But some examples where the Spirit came on people, Moses, King Saul, uh, Gideon, Samson. Amazing, eh? Amazing that we are not living in the days of Samson. Can you imagine if the Spirit of us from time to time, the havoc that we could have caused, eh? Grabbing the fillers and walking out with the... Okay, I don't... Uh, yeah. Fantastic. How do you receive the Spirit? First of all, how do we receive the Spirit? We must believe, we know it. We must believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. Secondly, we must thirst after Him. I think that's probably one of the most difficult things. If you don't thirst after God, it's really going to be difficult. Okay. Cool. We must set aside our fears and our prejudices. We must ask in prayer for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. 
We must obey God. As we all know that. Okay? We have to learn how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit or how to listen to the voice of God and start obeying. Okay? Uh, you can accept the help of the laying on of hands. I think one day we must talk about the laying on of hands. There's so much, and I just want to briefly camp on this one just for a moment. There's so much misinformation and, and misconception about the laying on of hands. Cool. I'll, I'll deal with it. When the Bible says that laying on of the hands, if you really go and look at it, if my memory serves me correct, there are only two places where you're talking about the laying on of hands. Remember when the apostles were praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit, and when people was being prayed for, the Bible says three places. Jesus said, you will lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. And then the book of James says, call the elders, let they lay their hands on you and anoint you with, with oil. Now the thing is, now what happened many times? I'm praying for Ariel. And I pray for the impartation of the gift. Where Paul also said, when you impart the gift, he was speaking to Timothy. You see the laying on of hands when the gift was imparted in you. So I'm imparting, say for example, the prophetic gift. Now another person come and you also lay your hands on that on her. You know what the problem is now? The one on this side she received impartation. But you that from the other side, first of all, you are say for example uh, living an immoral lifestyle. So that spirit of immorality is on you and you come and you put your hands on her. So in other words, she get more than she, what, what she was bargaining for. So that is why, so I think we will speak to it uh, at some point. And so in other words, what we rather prefer is that when, when we lay on our, the laying on of hands, we will lay that, we'll, whoever is praying for them, we don't want other people to touch to touch okay well i've also seen when a person fall in there or being slain in the spirit and people are running and they are touching this person okay cool but yeah that's uh, that's for another day once we receive the gift of the holy spirit we will continue or continue being filled paul says being filled said do not get drunk with wine he said, but be filled with the spirit in other words continuously continuously i remember ross colby always used to say in the morning he will sit there in his quiet time and say holy spirit please come fill me afresh this morning fill me again with your power this morning okay cool uh then there are three things that the enemy will do everything in his power to stop us from doing. First thing is lifting your hands in worship. Cool. Being water baptized and speaking in tongues. Okay, this is also new to me, but I mean, especially that for me and for most of us, it's, it's, it's our default to, to lift your hands. 
Okay? Then being water, water baptized and then, then speaking in tongues and then lifting of our hands. The lifting of our hands is a sign of total surrender to God. Yes, it's also you can, depending on I'm receiving, but it's a sign of total surrender to God. Water baptism, we are not in a covenant until we are baptized. You see, that is where God is saying. <coughs> Believe in the, I think it's one of the apostles, they ask, what must we do? They ask, this is being bapt- uh, believe in Jesus and be baptized. Okay. So, uh, then speaking in tongues, we all know that one. We are different types of, of tongues. The normal one where you and I just speak and then the other one where you speak and someone interpret the tongue. Okay, the gift of, of tongues. And Paul says we must always pray in the Spirit. I think that is one of the things that you and I can be guaranteed that eventually you and I will constantly get out of the place where we, we pray soulish prayers. What do, I, I'm not, what do I mean by a soulish prayer? Soulish prayers are these things that I'm constantly, my focus is 24-7, me, or let me rather say, me, myself, and I, the Holy Trinity. Please, God, give me this. Please, God, give me that. Please, God, pardon? Yeah, sorry, the unholy Trinity. Yeah. Only the, the Holy Spirit will teach us how to start praying prayers that is not focused on ourselves. I'm not saying we mustn't pray for ourselves. Okay? Trust the Holy Spirit. Cool. So, homework. <coughs> I think the best way to go about it, get a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a journal. Start writing down your prayers and the dates of your prayers. Okay. And when the prayer is answered, write down when the prayer was answered. Secondly, build altars. In other words, what do I mean by an altar? Say, for example, I have uh, a financial need and I'm in serious financial trouble. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and God's answering my prayer. Take a 20 rand note or whatever or 10 rand note. Write the date on the thing and keep it as an altar. Don't go and eat that seed. Okay, I know sometimes 10 rand is a lot of money. But when you are going, things like that, or whatever that, or if you want new clothes and, then, and you eventually you are in a position to buy the new clothes, take a picture of the thing, put it in your, or take, uh, cut out the picture and, and you put it in your prayer diary. So that the day when you are going through the trials again, then you see, okay, on this day, God came through for me. On this day, God came through for me. And you are looking and that will stir your faith at the end of the day. You guys with me? I remember. That is, we always say don't do as I. Yeah, do as I tell, tell you, don't do as I do. That's the old way. I remember there was that one day, I think it's this poppy flowers. Is it poppy? No, I don't know. Beautiful flowers. But, but there was yellow flowers. Was giving a prophetic word to this lady. 
And when I bought a packet of seed, where life wasn't where it was supposed to be. I didn't know that. I just gave it a packet of seed and I said, go plant the seed. The prophetic word is plant the seed and as the seed is growing and it starts flowering, you will see what God is going to do. Your whole life will change and you'll start. Guess what? Three years later I saw and she still hasn't planted the seed and she was still in the mess. Now I can do there nothing. You don't have anything. I doubt it whether till, till I doubt, I mean that seed is already too old now. We are talking about 10 years, 10 years ago. But till today I doubted whether she planted that seed. Now I'm not judging her. The thing is, you see, I'm, I'm just using this as an example. We need to build up our faith and Holy Spirit is doing it. Build altars. Get it. That's probably what we're doing with our own prophetic word too sometimes. Now many times we are doing the same with our own prophetic word. Because I thought, oh my word. I was giving a prophetic word this weekend. There's a snake on my chair. My 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 medicine's chair. In other words, what someone wants to take and chair is authority. Someone wants to come and take your fighting for to, to have your chair. Yeah. So that snake has been sent and is watching, coiled around this chair because he wants the chair. I'm going to burn the living daylights out of him when I'm tomorrow in my office. Amen. <laughs> See, I, how God, it, for other people, oh, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. In other, but the thing is, I immediately know when I got the prophetic word, I know what it means. And the, the word is, the only way that you will get rid of it is let the fire of God burn it off. Amen. And that's what I'm saying. It. When you get the word, act on the word. Okay, but, but we've dealt with it before. Okay, any questions? I'm listening. Please, can you um, talk a little bit more about altars? Because that's a new concept for me. And um, it's often mentioned in our and not so much in the new, but um, can you explain more about altars? What is an altar? Okay. What is it symbolically? Okay, remember when Israel was going through the... into the promised land. The first time that it came about yeah. is... From the moment that they, that, they, that they went through the Jordan River. And God said to Joshua, take 12 stones and put it in the middle of the river. And from there on he said to them, build altars. And when, you, when your children ask him, what is this about? What is that about? Then you tell them what God has done for you. Now that is what I mean by, an, it is an Old Testament concept, but it's a prophetic concept for today. In other words, as I was using this as a financially I was struggling or I, I was unemployed and I'm trusting God for a long time so my my prayer request is I'm writing down my prayer request God I'm trusting you the date of my prayer request I trust you for a job are you with me so then three years down the line I apply for a job and I get my letter of appointment so I make a copy of my letter of appointment and where I said answered prayer, I write the answered prayer and I add to that a copy of my letter of appointment. Are you with me? So then I, then I go on. I'm praying, say for example, for my child that is not saved. 
and then all of a sudden my child gets baptized giving his life to Jesus I take photos I was I'm present at the baptism the water baptism and the, usually it's a big thing and everybody's taking photos so I take a photo of that and I add it in mine so in other words these are the things that are altars so I'm asking God trusting God for another car or a new car so once I get my new car I take a picture of this are you with me so when the day when you are going through your desert and you are trusting God for something and things are really getting tough and you go back to your prayer diary or journal and you say okay God has come through for me there God has come through for me there God has come through for me there then those are the altars I'm referring in other words it brings to remembrance the faithfulness of God in your in your life but the problem is because we don't know it and we don't do it the moment that going gets stuff immediately we implode also we're, we're under attack that's what we think of we don't yeah. Yeah. does it make sense to you now no no I'm not talking about that altar I'm only talking you that altar was a sacrifice altar but I'm talking about from the moment that they enter the promised land in the, yeah. there they there they God constantly told them take take so many stones and bolt an altar in other words what he says write it and you see that the thing with if you if you look at it, the, the first or the, the high priest or whatever they had to put this thing here or whatever the, and the children will ask them what is this thing and then they will tell you God did this and this and that he said to them when you're in the promised land every year whatever you have to have the Passover the Passover was a was an altar you see what I mean God, Father, why, Dad, why are we keeping this thing? You know why are we keeping? When we were in Egypt, we smeared the blood of the, of, of the lamb on the doorpost as a remembrance in the new, in your, in your season. Does it make sense to you now? It's a new concept. Okay.